All right, we are back. Welcome back to the channel today, ladies and gentlemen. You remember just last week I was saying, sometimes there's just nothing going on in the news and I have to sit there and really think about what I can talk about with you and sort of teach, what sort of lessons from a lot of my history books and how we can correlate it to today so that we can predict what might come in the future. Well, that isn't one of these weeks. In fact, there's so much going on this week. I'm gonna tell you about five different things just in this one video today. We're gonna to look at Indonesia and palm oil and how this relates to the world, uh, explosions in Russia, Germany and the conflict with Russia, El Salvador and how what's going on there, we can learn a lesson from this. And then lastly, nuclear. Uh, which is an interesting one, a warning out of Russia. So we've got a lot to cover. I'm going to jump straight into it then. And we're going to go to the first article on the shared screen now then. So this follows on from some of the other headlines I talked about last week. Now, Indonesia is banning palm oil exports. So this is sparking concern over global food prices as if we didn't already have that. Experts say every country will suffer as world's biggest palm oil producer, bans exports of commodity used in food, cosmetics, and cleaning products. Now, as we go down here, I've highlighted a few points for you. The price of edible oil, such as soy oil, sunflower oil, and rapeseed oil is expected to rise after the ban announcement on palm oil. Indonesia's decision affects not only palm oil availability, but vegetable oils worldwide. Palm oil is used in everything from cakes and frying fats to cosmetics and cleaning products and accounts for nearly 60% of global vegetable oil shipments and top producer Indonesia accounts for around a third of all vegetable oil exports. Of course, everyone is calling on Malaysia to pick up the slack here, but Malaysia has come out and said, countries should pause or slow the use of edible oil as a biofuel to ensure adequate supply for use in food, warning of a supply crisis, as if we haven't already got a supply crisis. So what are they talking about here? Well, a lot of people aren't aware of this, but a lot of oils that you would know as cooking oils around the world are actually used in alternative fuel production. And of course, we covered on yesterday's video how UK supermarkets are now rationing cooking oil. And this is just one of the things I talked about a while ago now. We haven't even seen some of the other things such as wheat. I know some of you, you know, can't consume wheat. You've let me know in the comments. But for the majority of people who do eat um, wheat and pastas and starchy products and bread, this will affect global food supply. If you think about the amount of calories that are actually consumed as a result of wheat, now Ukraine, as, as we've talked about three or four times now, either hasn't been planting this year, couldn't get fertilizers, etc. They've also lost a lot of their harvest. I think it's something like 75% of their harvest wasn't planted this year. And of that, they think they could lose 35 to, I think it's 38% if the sort of numbers coming out of Ukraine are accurate. So it is a cause for concern here. And now let's go to the next article then. And this is about Russia. So Ukraine takes out key Russian oil depot in latest sign that tables have turned. Ukrainian missile strikes blow up oil facilities in Russia, supplying troops in Donbass as British intelligence says Putin's forces have yet to achieve a significant breakthrough and many units are exhausted. 
Now, of course, we don't know the accuracy of a lot of the reporting. You see a lot of stuff on both sides misinformation, but there's been a lot of eyewitness reports saying that missile strikes were the cause. Now, I have no idea. I wasn't there on the ground, but this is what we're hearing um, at the moment. So we actually have not just one oil refinery, but two. Uh, first one caught fire at 2 a.m. local time before a second fire broke out at a nearby military facility around 15 minutes later. Now, isn't that interesting after what we covered on yesterday's video about all of these fires that keep starting? And look at the size of this. This was not small. Look at the size of this fire. And again, we don't know the accuracy of this reporting, but it is showing the Russian army losses so far, almost 22,000 infantrymen killed, uh, 873 tanks. I'm not gonna go through and read all of this, but you're welcome to come and uh, either pause the video so you can see this or, or come and read this article yourself. Now, what are we seeing at the moment? We're seeing this escalation between Russia and other countries. So Russia expelled 40 German diplomats in retaliation for unfriendly decision. So in effect, Russia is basically doing what Germany did to Russian diplomats and they are expelling German diplomats now. Of course, we look at this article that just came out 10 days ago, German delivery of heavy weapons to Ukraine allowed under international law. So this was the justice minister. International law does not label the delivery of weapons as an entry into war. The German government said it plans to release more than a billion euros in military aid to Ukraine. So one of the things I always like to do is, is to try and put myself in the shoes of different people. Whether it's a German minister or it's Putin or Zelensky or Biden or Boris Johnson or whoever it is when they're making these decisions. And I was just thinking about the German ministers and they're, they're shocked and outraged and saying it's completely unreasonable for Russia to do what they did to the Russian diplomats. Not just that, there's also the fact that Germany's sending a billion dollars or euros worth of aid to Ukraine. But then they say, oh, no, no, we're not, we're not helping. We're not involved in the war. But if you're sending, say, heavy tanks and artillery and all the other stuff to one side, to one, let's think of it like people. Let's say that one person's arguing with another person. It's, it's an argument here. But then this person here supports this, this person. Well, obviously you're taking a side, you're involved, whether you say you are or not. But the other thing I think is quite interesting about the situation is that Germany, in fact, let's pull up the numbers here. Germany actually gets a huge amount, you can see just here, a huge amount of their energy from Russia. Now, I realize they wanna completely remove energy dependence on Russia by the end of the year. I really don't know if that's gonna be possible. I think it's very unlikely. But the point I wanted to, to make with all of this anyway, uh, let me just wrap this up. We are seeing this escalation now of one thing leading to another. So someone evicts diplomats. Oh, now this person evicts diplomats. Now I'm gonna send aid to this person, but I'm not getting involved. Well, this person sees it as getting involved. Why are you supporting them when our soldiers are getting killed? Well, our soldiers are getting killed too. Well, I'm gonna support this. No, I'm gonna support that. What you're seeing, and I've talked about this already, is this sort of convergence of two sides. And I think we're pretty much there now. We've, we've already you know, set this in the sand. The line in the sand has been drawn with who the sides are. And I just think this is going to escalate. I really do. I think this is going to keep escalating because what's a good example here? Maybe Newton's law of motion, right? An object in motion tends to stay in motion. Well, what we're seeing right now is is just conflict after conflict after conflict to escalation, 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 escalation. 
And this is how you get into war. This is how you get into World War I, World War II. It starts with small things. And then what tends to happen is you tend to get more nationalistic leaders and um, politicians coming into power. This is what we tend to see in times of crisis. And uh, again, we come back to the sovereign debt crisis that we're seeing developing nations and their debt crises as well. And then, of course, this links to the ban of palm oil by Indonesia. Think about it like this. If you are a leader and you have your people to look after, are you going to pay your debts? These are foreign debts to wealthy nations. Or are you going to use that money to try and import food or stabilize your food supply so that your citizens don't starve? It's pretty obvious what you're going to do. So this is what we're seeing. We're seeing this rise of protectionism and protectionism leads to nationalism. So it's interesting to see where we end up, but I think we've already started to see little blips of this already. Uh, what did we talk about on two weeks ago's walk and talk for the weekly walk? We talked about the UK sending single men who were illegal immigrants coming into the country over to Rwanda. So that is an example. It's a, it's a ripple. It's a very small ripple in the sea. But you start to see all of these little blips everywhere. This transitions nicely and we can look at El Salvador. Extends the state of emergency. So what is this all over? It's about what they're calling a lot of gang members, a lot of extreme violence and killing. Uh, human rights groups have criticized the measures, saying the arrests are often arbitrary based on a person's appearance or where they live. So I think this is quite interesting because a lot of the measures are getting more and more strict. So among things, they lengthened sentences, so prison sentences, reduced the age of criminal responsibility to 12, and even, look at this, news media, El Salvador's Congress has authorized prison sentences of 10 to 15 years for news media that reproduce or disseminate messages from the gangs, alarming press freedom groups. This, you see, this line here made me sort of raise an eyebrow. Why would press freedom groups be alarmed by that? Let's just look at this. Gang members, murderers, all of these innocent people are being killed why would the media be allowed to disseminate information from these gangs? I'm guessing that the gangs pay the media companies, try and get all these alternative messages out or, or whatever. And the press freedom group is alarmed by the fact that that can't happen. That doesn't make much sense to me. Why would you try and protect criminals and murderers and you know, drug dealers and all the rest of it? Gangs control swathes of territory through brutality and fear. They have driven thousands to emigrate to save their own lives and the lives of the children who are forcibly recruited. And again, I think this is actually a very good lesson for us for what tends to happen in societies when you start to have a breakdown of societal bonds, when you start to have too much crime and sort of gangs coming through, often because the, the punishment is just not strong enough in order to deter crime. But there's a lot more to it as well. I think we're gonna see a lot more crime because of the wealth divide. You see, this is a key thing that we can't um, sort of exclude from this argument. When you have this big wealth divide, this also plays into this. And I've talked about this before where the media's putting out all this stuff saying, hey, you need these latest Nikes and you need this designer clothing, this car and things like that. 
Now, if you have no opportunity to ever get those sort of things, but the media is just bombarding you, bombarding you, hey, you deserve it, you need it, you need it. You get people from impoverished uh, neighborhoods who are tempted by the crime, the gang life, the drugs and all the other stuff that they can make a lot of money. So it's just never as simple as probably my first comment there with, oh, increase the prison sentence and it will slow it down. You've also got to take away sometimes the root cause of these things. And then the last thing is the most worrying one, really. And this is from the Russian foreign minister, says possibility of nuclear conflict and outbreak of World War Three over Ukraine is serious and real. The Russian foreign minister also said NATO was in essence already in a proxy war with Russia. And of course, we've just heard that Finland and Sweden want to apply for NATO membership together. Now, why do you think this is? It's pretty obvious to me. They're obviously concerned about this escalating, as am I. All right, well, that was a lot that we just covered just then, but I really think it's important to understand these five points that we talked about here and just to see how these things escalate and where it can lead to later on. And as always, you've got to be prepared for this. You've got to make sure you're prepared, your family's prepared for anything that's coming. I try to forecast and let you know about as much of these things as often as I can. So I'll be back again tomorrow. I'll see you then. Take care, God bless, and have a great day.